It's Three Point Podcast time again, and coming up next is Episode 70. Three Point Podcast is the planet's best take on sports and pop culture from three different generations. Our youngster in studio with me is Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. 30-something and social media guru Matt Burns of the worldwide leader in sports ESPN is checking in from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the old dude, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio in our mid-Michigan three-point podcast studios give us a follow on twitter facebook or instagram you can find us at three point pod and we're going to be joined in a bit we're very excited about this by former michigan wolverine basketball player and twitter superstar anthony wright at it's ant wright and also a fellow podcaster with his show you can't guard me our advertising partners include advanced elevator sheridan realty and auction company rivals tap house and grill the corona connection and card service michiana Thanks also goes out to our website partners, Sports Radio Detroit, and our friends at Midwest Sports Network. Well, we got a lot to get into. The Kentucky Derby and some controversy. The NBA playoffs are really cranking into gear. We'll have some entertainment news for you tonight. And also, as I mentioned, Ant Wright coming up right after these messages from our Three Point Podcast partners. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Michigan, I mean, it's a great state to live in. Uh, don't get me wrong. We got the Great Lakes. Uh, we have, like, Detroit-style pizza. Uh, but one thing that we have really screwed up is horse racing. Because, my God, as we saw on Saturday, and as you guys know, I'm just a big-time Kentucky Derby fan, big-time horse racing fan, and it's just nothing gets your blood pumping like the Kentucky Derby does during those two minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just an unbelievable event. I know you've talked about it many times, that that is the very top of your sports bucket list, if you will. And, and you know, we got to do that someday. we got to go to the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if, if I'll be able to move around and join you, but definitely you should do it. I think it's the millennials' fault that horse racing in Michigan has died down because with your generation, you went to the track sure. a good amount of time, didn't you? Oh, I, I, not me specifically, but I, <laughs> but, I, but I did go sometimes. You know, It was nice to be able to. And, you know, I, uh, on a vacation, I did uh, Long Island with the family, and we actually went to the Belmont right there on Long Island, which is the, the third race of the Triple Crown. It's fantastic. And to actually go to a thoroughbred a professional track and bet on the horses, it is a blast. It is a ton of fun. Uh, I'm just curious, so where does Michigan sucking tie into this? Mi- so what, what did Michigan get wrong? We don't have – we used to have the Saginaw track. We used to have Swartz Creek track. Okay. Is there even any – I think there's maybe one track in all of Michigan. 
Gosh, I think there was one down by uh, Northville. I don't even know if that's yeah. Still I think open. that's that's true. That's all we have, Matt. There's no there's no other ones here. I would love to go to a track just on a random Saturday, but all I have to do is watch it through a TV on it's you know not- three basically three Saturdays a year. Right. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, it would be cool, you know, in Michigan and my home state, you know, where you guys are at, if there were some tracks to go to, because Sports Creek was pretty cool. I think you said, Ted, you used to go a few times, and me and some friends used to go to Sports Creek, because it was cool to watch, even though that was, you know, not on the scale of, obviously, the Kentucky Derby, but it's cool to watch the live races, and I actually went out when I was in L.A. one time to Santa Anita, oh. uh, the, the track out there where Seabiscuit was filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's one of the most famous horse tracks, to the, I don't know, in the country. Um, I mean, it, the view is just amazing. You're sitting there watching the horse races, mountains in the background. That was pretty incredible. Yeah, that had to be awesome. I know there's been controversy on Santa Anita as, as, since you brought it up about a lot of horses have been dying out there for some reason. Yeah, the track the track conditions are like terrible. They should have they aren't like rebuilding the entire track. Like they, they've kind of done a lot of shortcuts instead of actually like oh, rebuilding the track, and like a lot of horses it? are breaking their legs and stuff like that. But what did you guys think of the actual race? Did you think it was fair to disqualify maximum security? Because I. I think we're all kind of in the same boat here. We don't know much about horse racing. But when they're saying on the broadcast that if this was any other race that wasn't quite as big, he would have been disqualified, I think it's the right call to disqualify him like they did. Yeah, you know, it, they took so long reviewing it. So they, they did everything in their power to make sure that they got the call right. And if you did watch it, the full breakdown, they slowed it down. As, as difficult as it was to have it taken away from, from the horse that actually crossed the line first, I, I agree with you, Jared. I think they got the call right. Yeah, I mean, like when you break down the rule, it's one of those that, you know, in baseball, football, sometimes there's rules that the rules are a little messed up, you know, but like when you actually look at the rule, they got it right. One of our former guests, Adam Stanko, I remember you guys remember yeah. the story about his family winning the Kentucky Oaks a few years ago. With Great story. He tweeted out afterwards basically saying the same thing. They got it right. Integrity wins. You know, a, a race that big, if you're going to go to the film and look at it, you got to get it right. So, I mean, they, they did get it right. But I, I just wanted to get back to your point, Jared, about Michigan sucking for not having the horse tracks in Michigan. North Carolina, so I'm down here in North Carolina, along the same lines kind of sucks because I went to sign up for a website to play some bets for the Kentucky Derby and yet I'd fill out a new profile so I put in my address <laughs> and when I put in North Carolina it said not allowed your state is not allowed to place bets online I had to go through Jared to place my bets for the Kentucky Derby <laughs> so while Michigan doesn't have the tracks at least you get to place bets in Michigan something that I was kind of wondering and tell me what you were you were thinking so with your bet you put you placed money on maximum security to place did you mean like place like first second or third or did you mean the correct like win place show like second place because if it was i guess i don't what was your thought process when you made that bet well if you play if you do a bet to place you're just saying that they're going to get first or second so it you know it takes your your winnings down a little bit you can bet for a horse to show so they have to get first second or third or obviously you can bet a horse to win and they have to win by placing a bet for a horse to place I'm just saying, you know, your odds go up a little yeah. bit that they're going to get first or second. So, right, I, I did that. I, I bet maximum security to place, get first or second, 100% just because I thought his name was cool. I didn't know anything about him. You know, I, I'm not trying to act like I'm an expert. Just thought his name was cool. So when he won, I was like, cool, <laughs> I'm going to win a little money here. I'm not going to lie, Matt, because I may or may not have lost money. I 
kind of fist pumped a little bit when they when he ended up being disqualified. And I was thinking of you when I fist pumped when he was disqualified. What a jerk! I, I wondered. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna get my money back if I actually win some. The thing, like, and I was actually doing some research. You guys might get a kick out of this. Apparently, jockeys like after the Kentucky Derby, they're they're like the talk of the town at the bars with these girls. Oh. Girls love love to love their jocks. love their jockeys. I guess. I, I like I, actually that, that's like the known fact that they are. They're like womanizers, basically, after these events. Wow. Do with that information as you will. A lot of adrenaline. That's all I can figure out. <laughs> I bet. I mean, so, I don't know. Like, you, you mentioned, you know, the most exciting two minutes in sports or whatever. Like, even though we, we're obviously casual horse racing fans on this podcast, we like the Kentucky Derby, and, you know, we've talked about it. Did this race excite you? I mean, are you guys, like, do you still get fired up for it? Or would it be way different, like, if you were at Churchill Downs? I think it would be way different. For me, I didn't get excited during this race because the three horses I had were nowhere near the front of the pack the entire race. I was basically yeah. just pissed the entire race yeah, what I was Bob watching. Baffert just bet on Baffert's horses. That didn't work out too well. No, it didn't work at all. You still enjoy it. It really is just two minutes of greatness. I can't imagine a day at the track where there's 13 or 14 of those races. That just seems like an awesome day. It would be a great day. I mean, especially if, if you're younger. You know, <laughs> I'm the old fella here. It, that's that'd be a long ass day. I'm not going to kid you. It was. It's kind of nice to be able to watch it on television. But it would be an it would be a spectacle, and it would be outstanding. And I do think it is the two, the two greatest minutes in sports. It is, yeah. And I mean, especially if you're drinking a few mint juleps and stuff all day, it, it would be a long day. You got to pace yourself, kind of like yeah, you know, the music festivals, like faster horses and stuff like that. You got to pace yourself a little bit, but. I did. I was working yesterday during the race. We were doing some college softball, and I was working with a kid from Lex- Lexington, Kentucky. So he's been to Churchill Downs a bunch of times and huge uh, horse racing guy because he grew up in Kentucky. So uh, I was talking to him about it, and I, I threw out, I want to see what you guys think about my new strategy that I might come up with. So maybe these next races, Jared, I'm going to be hitting you up with this. So Country House, he won 65 to 1 odds. I was like, why don't you, like, if you're only going to bet, no matter how much you bet, whether you bet twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, whatever, why don't you always just throw five bucks on two of the, like, longest shot? The two horses at the bottom or two or three of the horses towards the bottom, throw five, ten bucks on those, and then, you know, make your actual bets that you really are, like, pulling for. Because if by chance one of those, like Country House, wins, you're making a ton of money. And I was telling this to the, the kid who grew up down the street, basically, from the Kentucky Derby. He was like, you know what? That's a hell of a strategy. I never really thought about that. Like, do you guys think that's a good strategy, or you're just throwing money away? I kind of go the opposite way, and it's like people call me like a rookie horse better. Like, apparently, you're only supposed to, you know, kind of put together the trifectas and the boxes and Perfectas. the superfectas. Right. I just pick like the 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 favorites. Like last year at Justify, it's like he's at four to one odds to win the Kentucky Derby, and yet everyone's telling me that it's basically a one horse race, and everyone and it's like no, not as many people are betting on him. So it's like I'll just bet. On four to one odds, which is a lot better than you know the fifty fifty odds you get during like a college football game when you're betting against the spread. So it's like kind of it's still kind of like pretty good odds to just bet on the favorite. What's kind like of you like, would have done with maximum obscurity? It's kind of like your roulette betting when you just go in and slap all your money down exactly. on one color and you're out of there. I, I tend to tend to to lean more with Matt's idea. If you got a hundred bucks to bet, you know, take the majority of it and bet what you want to do, and then just like he said, bet a little bit on some underdog and. It might just pay off. Now, I think we're talking a lot about it because how often does a 65-to-1 uh, underdog win a race, especially the Kentucky Derby? Is that the the, the highest odds ever to win the race? I second highest. Second highest. Uh, like The last one was like 1914, to like 91-to-1 oh, 91, 91 odds or something wow. like that. Wow. Uh, 
But it's like you said earlier that you want to go to the Kentucky Derby one day. Is that kind of lip service, or are you actually like, I'm going to go to this before? No, well, I, I don't think it's lip service. I would like to do it. I, I, I'd, I'd have to take my wife. You know, okay. that, that's a, that's Why a is given. that? That's just a given. Yeah. She wouldn't let. I mean, it's not that she wouldn't let me go, but I think she'd like to go as mm-hmm. well. But yeah, I think it'd be cool. Now, you know, you got you got to realize you're going to shell out some big bucks if you're going to go to it, right? I don't think it's as expensive as because I mean, in the infield, there's eighty thousand people. Right, a lot of tickets, and I don't think it's as expensive if you just sit in the infield. What about accommodations? I mean, are you gonna you're gonna stay down there, aren't you? Yeah, I just I just don't think it's gonna be quite as expensive as you know some of the other big sporting events. That's true. A young... And I just think it's more of an interesting thing than going. To, I don't know, like a Super Bowl. I I, w- I think I would rather go to that than a Super Bowl. I think huh. we've had this discussion on the pod before. Yeah. Uh, and I probably I would rate the Super Bowl above it. a Lions Super Bowl. We'll have to qualify it there. But I think I I do think Kentucky Derby has always been one on my bucket list for sure. Yeah, I think you know if you're gonna make a whole weekend out of it, finding a hotel or whatever Airbnb, whatever you're gonna do would be a little pricey. I think I saw that just general admission. I don't know about different levels of tickets and everything. General admission for the Derby is only like 70 or 80 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. So, I mean, that's similar to a concert anymore, you know, or a, a basketball game or sure. whatever. So, But then if you start adding in, you're going to drink a few mint juleps. You're going to get some food. You're going to play some bets. The suits. You know, it, it'd be a pricey weekend, but it'd be a memorable one. It'd right. be a great time, even if it's raining like it has been the last few years, it seems like. Add in, add in this experience. Suit try have you just going to a, like a men's warehouse or some nice suit shop just trying on suits for you know a couple hours with your buddies that's a that's an experience in itself my god like, yes sounds that's, like prom <laughs> that's just got me drooling to go do it is go try on some suits with my buddies man I can't wait <laughs> that was my favorite thing about prom picking out my suit all right so how how many people do you think had their I wouldn't think it's many, but how many people do you think had a country house ticket to win and then when the race finished, ripped it up, threw it in the trash, came back 10, 15 minutes later, looked at the results and went, oh my God, I just threw away three grand or whatever. I I saw that tweet and I don't know, do you think anyone anyone actually did that? Like oh, as soon as it was over, just ripped it. Yeah, I think if you're a true better or you're interested, you're not gonna rip up your ticket till it's posted official, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, until you see the official results. But yeah, it's it's fun, and you know, like it's fun to throw. Even if you don't know much about it, it's fun to throw a little money down and makes it interesting. There was a bar at a town outside of Bristol, up in Connecticut, that we used to go to sometimes. It was called Shays, and it was an off-track betting bar. It was a like a you know big sports bar, kind of like B Dubs, but they had a huge outdoor patio with an outdoor bar. They'd have live music and stuff, but they had their off-track betting room off to the side that looked like, I don't know, there was a hundred TVs on the wall and they had the ticket machines and everything like that. And it was a range of everyone from like me and my buddies who would go, we went quite a bit, you know, just casually betting to the people who had like the books and, you know, the cards, you know, like serious people, like they were almost, that was their like main source of income or something like that. So that was really cool too, because it was all the races across the country, uh, harness racing, even dogs and stuff like that. So you could go there and just place a few bets, have a little fun, and watch some races. That was feel, cool. Yeah, I feel like that would be awesome with the ticket printing right there. That just seems like a good idea for a sports bar. But like we said, Michigan just doesn't needs to get their shit together, yeah, in well, lack of better words. Well, within the next year, we're going to have that, aren't we? Aren't we going to have the availability to bet on sporting events like the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, I thought the whole thing was like there might you, you could do it maybe at like a party store yeah. or you know a gas station or something. I'm waiting for that day. I mean, that's... Uh, 
You, know, you, you won't bet. I, I know you. You won't. No, I'll bet on some sporting events. I won't get being deep like you, but I will for sure. I'll bet on the Kentucky Derby. I'll, I'll definitely put money down on a winner. You're the king. You're the king of when I say something like, "Oh, this is gonna be the highest scoring Super Bowl of all time." Like something that's kind of just like I'm saying it. That you'll just like you'll raise it to me, and then you'll bet me against it. That's what that's what you're the king of. All I can say is, who still owes me money? That's all I can say. It's ten dollars. I, I, I mean, it I'll give it to you right now. Just like Kurt Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for that day. I think it will be fun to be able to bet on uh, sporting events here in the state. And how how do you bet? You bet online? Is well, Twin Spires is completely legal for okay. horse racing. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That's it, the site I try to sign up for. But uh, once I put in North Carolina, it wouldn't let me do it. So Twin Spires is completely legal. That's what I do horse betting through, and then. You know, with the offshore sites for the sports. That's why I've kind of cut back a little bit right. on my sports betting is because, you know, it no. takes a long time. You have to jump through a bunch of hoops to even get your payment back. How, how do you pay them on credit card? or you got to... Yeah, card. Okay, I didn't know if it was one of those newfangled uh, payment things. What? <laughs> Josh Richardson, my buddy, actually had his information stolen from an off-site gambling uh, <laughs> um, company. So, Oh, man. That, that kind of scared me away a little bit as well. Well, before we get to Ant... I want to tell you a little bit about Rivals Tap House and Grill. That is the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Head on over to Rivals Tap House and Grill. Check out the Tigers, the upcoming Preakness, and the NBA and NHL playoffs in high gear. Check it out on their 21 high-def flat-screen TVs and the huge 10-foot screen. Also, come on out and check the band Double Shot May 11th and shake your booty. Rivals Tap House and Grill right across from Meyer in Corona. And also... Check out SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. Bid on the farm items from the Ivan Estate in New Lothrop until May 8th and the Richard Beckman Estate and Toy Auction. That sounds like something up your line there, Jared, ending May 20th. Call Troy at 989-720-SELL for other details or hit him up online at SheridanAuctionService.com for upcoming auctions. All right, guys. Well, we're super excited about this one. We've got a guest on with us. His name is Anthony Wright. If you don't remember him, he played uh, basketball at Michigan back in the Tommy Amaker in the early John Beeline days. And uh, he's, I mean, he's a Twitter superstar. You can follow him at It's Ant Wright on Twitter. And we're super excited to talk to him about a bunch of things. But we're recording this on Sunday evening. So if you follow Ant on Twitter, you know that he's getting into Game of Thrones. Is this all right? We're, we're getting this in before uh, Game of Thrones tonight, Ant? Yeah, um, we're about to start it up in about in about 30 minutes. So we're going to start up on, we're still season one, episode six, and we're going to just kind of go go from there and just grind it out. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I know uh, we'll probably talk about Game of Thrones and, and maybe uh, the Marvel movies a little later, but I want to ask real quick first about playing for John Beeline. If, you know, any Michigan fans or anyone that grew up in Michigan following college basketball knows there was kind of a rough stretch in the early 2000s with Michigan basketball. Tommy Amaker, he did a great job with the situation that he was given. You you know a lot more about him than, than us. But I want to ask about John Beeline. In your opinion, why was John Beeline the right guy to come in and, you know, when Michigan basketball is kind of in a rough spot, kind of right the ship and get Michigan back to being one of the best programs in all of college basketball? Right. Well, one of the main things is that a lot of people – weren't really impressed with his resume coming in because even though he was at West Virginia, it's not like he was down there winning the winning the Big East. He wasn't down there. It was the Big East back then. I know West Virginia's down the Big 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 Twelve, but back in the day they were in a different conference. It's not like they were down there just national contenders every year. I think they were contenders like twice, I believe, and they had just won like the NIT championship before they came over. So. A big thing was the administration at Michigan 
uh, being able to realize Beeline's potential in terms of a basketball coach. They didn't say, well, they weren't focused on his accolades. They were more focused on him being able to win everywhere he goes and pretty much does it his own way. So him coming in, it wasn't the most popular decision from what I know, but you know, right away, he, he came in with a very different mindset. Our first practice was working on, like, scoop layups for, like, an hour. We worked on, you know, wrong foot, wrong hand layups. I mean, we were doing things that, you know, we have, that we've never done before. So, a little, little bit outside the box, thinkers coming in. From the way John Beeline was and the way that he is, he is now, uh, it's just night and day. He's just been able to just adapt and grow over time as a person and, and, and you know, as a, as a basketball coach. I see, I see him doing things now where it was pretty foreign from when I was there. Um, he used to have his hands on everything, like everything. He really didn't give his assistant coach, coaches a lot of, like, a lot of slack in terms of um, power to take your take that position and kind of do your do your thing he had his hands on literally everything nowadays he's more of a manager less of having his hands on and he's less what's the word he's less of a micromanager as well too so I think one of the bigger things is that you know he was sat down I believe after his after 2010 and he was pretty much told like you know hey you have these assistance with you you can't do everything you know to for you to be great you know you have to trust these people that you're bringing in and that was the first real overhaul of his of his coaching staff altogether the job beeline that i played under is very different than the beeline that there is out there there are some similarities but it's very very different the culture is very 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 different our culture was we got to get back to the NCAA tournament the culture now is all right. We have to compete for the Big Ten title, and you know, hopefully, we get a good seating and a good matchup on the way to possibly another Final Four. You know what I mean? So, yeah. the culture altogether is way, way different. We didn't have anyone that we could look up to back then who's been there and done that. And I have a quick question, actually, too. The first one is, what do you want us to call you, Aunt Anthony? What's your mom call you? My mom calls me Anthony. The only, I mean, honestly, Ant, just Ant is totally, totally fun. All right. Well, Ant, uh, we're talking about Beeline a little bit, and you were recruited by Amaker. How was it for you personally <clears throat> to uh, have to work for a new coach right away? I mean, I didn't really play under Amaker. Uh-huh. I kind of, I registered that year, so my real first year playing was with Beeline. Okay. Um, it was totally fine. It was totally fine. My my playing style matched quite a bit with what he wanted to do and uh you know that's why you know there were times when i didn't play and there were times when i started and you know and everything in between so it was just uh part of the business per se um i've never gone through that where i've had to switch coaches in such a short period of time but having those guys around me players wise like dave Barrett, cj lee javon shepherd deshaun sams and that Gibson and, and all those guys, I mean, it just it made the transition a lot better because there were still familiar faces around me. So, yeah, obviously you don't play for Michigan anymore, but I would say you're still really, really important to the Michigan Athletic Program on Twitter because I think you kind of control the narrative of what fans like me and maybe Matt like kind of think about Michigan sports. Do you feel responsible to kind of controlling that narrative when, you know, maybe some crazy fans say fire Harbaugh 
or fire beeline after like a Sweet 16 exit? I mean, I don't think I have that much power, but <laughs> I think, I think um, I'm not trying to come off as like arrogant or anything, <laughs> but I do feel a certain responsibility in terms of what I say and how I say it. Because as soon as I say something that can be even semi-controversial, um, it's going to be on every blog for Michigan. And then next thing you know, like, I'm getting texts and phone calls like, hey, did you, you know, was this about, you know what I mean? So I feel a responsibility to kind of keep everyone even keeled as best as I can, especially when it's pretty chaotic. In football, it's a little bit, uh, I like to have fun with it <laughs> because the success hasn't really been there. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of people when Harbaugh hadn't even coached a game yet who were like, you know, Beeline wishes he was the coach of Jim Harbaugh. And I took that kind of personal. So that's why you see me trolling the, the uh, fo- football team quite, <laughs> quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But um, the biggest part is keeping folks as even killed as possible. When something happens on the basketball court, like I have to be – I have to be the person, because people are going to ask me anyway, so I just put out there, like, this is what I think about this. And I I try to make it so people can kind of put down the tiki torches and you know, relax and calm down a bit. I mean, what what oh, is yeah. it about Michigan Twitter? They had a, a tournament, you know, around March Madness for the tournament for Michigan Twitter. I saw Michigan State did the same thing, a, a bracket for Michigan State Twitter. But a lot of those the handles that showed up for the Michigan State Twitter don't nearly have the following that you or guys like Scott Bell have. So what is it about, like, Michigan Twitter or, I guess, the Michigan fan base that makes, I don't know, they like that big of an impact or, you know, that widespread ag- across the country? Michigan State Twitter accounts just aren't very good. <laughs> I'll just come out and say that. Like, like all in all, um, their Twitter accounts are not very good. And I don't know why that is. They just don't have really good accounts. I think one of their better accounts is World of Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he's not. I mean, like he he like tweets about Michigan State, but he's like part of like a national writing service, so it's a little bit different. There aren't really any personalities over there. I'm not. I'm not completely sure why that is. To be so dominant on the football and on the basketball court, you would think that those people would emerge. Mm-hmm. Um. As like okay, okay, this account makes sense. This account has great content, but content-wise, no accounts do it consistently. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Michigan State people go out of their way to tell us that they're just like, I man, I really wish Michigan State had two or three guys like either myself or LG or or uh, Scott, but they just don't exist. Not sure why that is. So we're we're obviously, I mean, we're talking a lot about Michigan, but you can't forget Michigan State basketball in the state of Michigan, and we mentioned Michigan State football too. And Tom Izzo, he's one of the best coaches of all time. You played against him. What is it about, I mean, Beeline, but also Tom Izzo, what is it about those two coaches that make them, year in and year out, the best coaches in the country with, you know, two of the best teams in the country also, not not necessarily always Final Four teams, but is it their style? Is it that, like you said, they coach and teach fundamentals? They're great defensive coaches. What is it about those two coaches that, you know, year in and year out, they're always right there towards the top of college basketball? Right. They recruit their own guys, and I find that funny because they very rarely recruit the same guys. Like, very rarely you would see them fighting for one recruit. That happened with Brandon Johns. It happened with Livers. I mean, outside of that, like, they're not really fighting – for the same person. I think the playing styles are very, very different. 
But I think you know, Izzo gets his guys to play very, very hard. They play a brand of basketball that is super tough, which doesn't really, not really a, a thing in 2019 where, you know, toughness isn't really looked at as a as an attribute or as a skill. You know, toughness is a skill, I believe. Competing is a skill. And Izzo has mastered both. You know, this past Michigan State team, talent-wise, probably one of his worst. But in terms of toughness and competing and playing together as just one unit, um, probably one of his better teams. Uh, if you look at Beeline, I mean, this was probably one of his, you know, ends up like one of his mid-tier teams, like 30 wins, but they hung no banners this year, you know? And they were super talented. They were just missing one alpha. They were missing an alpha guard. If they had an alpha guard, they beat Michigan State probably two out of three or all three or, or all three uh, times. I think that was the one difference. You know, Ant, you're a Michigan man for sure, and uh, we've had a debate here on Three Point Podcast about both teams this year, specifically Michigan with 30 wins, but uh, not being able to beat the Spartans, you know, and getting knocked out in the tournament. Would you have still classified this as a great season, a very good season? How, how would you classify the Wolverines' performance? If I were to tell you in 2007, <laughs> so this, you know, Michigan in 12 years will have 30 wins, and they lose in the Sweet 16, and that'll be Beeline's probably his fifth or sixth best season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of puts it in perspective. You know what I mean? It puts it all into perspective. So, but the bar that Beeline has put on the program, culture-wise, it was a bit of a letdown. Because there's, you know, it was a bit of a letdown when it comes to the bar that he made for the program. If you put it all into perspective... It's still a hell of an accomplishment, for sure. But it comes down to, where's the program now? The program right now, probably you know, top 10, culture-wise, in terms of going out there and not only getting to the tournament, but putting yourself in a position to win the whole thing. You know, how many other teams really have that year in and year out? You know, since, what, 20, 2012? They've had it every year except 14, 15, and 15, 16. They've had it every year, where they either won the Big Ten title or they were seated in a in a position to make some noise, and that's been almost every year since 2012. So it was a down year based on where the program is right now. But in perspective, you know, 30 wins is 30 wins. Yeah, no, that true. is an that is an incredible feat. It just shows you how far the program has come. Well, we're talking with Ant Wright, the former Michigan Wolverine, and I have a question I want to go back. And I've always been fascinated and curious about uh, the players that go through Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. Tell us a little bit about your process, how you got there, and uh, what it was like playing for that, that, that school and, you know, some of the perks that came with that. It was a lot of fun. So I got there my freshman year. I went to a school called Bishop O'Connell. Left there and then went down to try out for the Oak Hill basketball team because one of my one of the kids that was in my um, in my AAU pro program he was like a couple years older though his his name was Isaiah he ended up going to Florida State he went to Oak Hill and he was just like yeah just come down say what's up to Coach Smith come hoop and he'll say yeah you you can play for us or no you can't. Mm-hmm. More than likely, it was going to be a no, you can't. But it was a good opportunity to just you know go down and just hoop and have fun. So I went down there, and um, 
I, I pretty much destroyed everyone. Um, you know, dudes who were going to UVA, dudes who were going to UConn, Mississippi State, just all over the place. So that was a lot of fun. Internet and social media wasn't really a thing back then. I mean, it was a thing, but it wasn't what it is now. It was like at the Lego stages of, <laughs> of like how of the monster it's become. I walk in and I see, you know, Josh Smith is there. He's six nine with a a million-inch vertical. Rajon Rondo's in there. What was nice is one of my teammates from Bishop O'Connell was there. Was That was really, really cool. Um, he came down, and he was like 6'9", 6'10". Kid named Deshaun Wright. You know, it was crazy talented. That year, went to Spain, went to Hawaii. Jeez. He went like 44-0. Um, destroyed everyone. Played against some really good dudes. Like, we played against Kyle Lowry that year. We played against Dude named Sergio Rodriguez out in Spain. We had no clue who he was, but he ended up playing a few years in the um, NBA. We played a lot of good teams, man, and we and we were blowing them out by like twenty, thirty minimum. We beat some teams by like eighty points. Wow, um, that was a lot of fun. Well, we know it's a basketball factory. Uh, how about the academics? And you know, how about the swag? Is they take care of you just by? Send you to places like Hawaii and, you know, that type of thing? Or is there other kinds of perks? Oh, man. You know, Jordan Jordan used to send us all the shoes that were coming out in, like, two months. Wow. So, like, we would we would go in and get dressed. Like, it'll be packed, like, packed. Like, a gym that seats, like, five or 6,000, standing room only. When we played O.J. Mayo and Billy Walker in Cincinnati, I think it was the U.S. Bank Arena, it seats over like 12,000 people. It was sold out. Man. And there were tickets being you know, scalped outside for like $200. That was, that was insane. That was in Sports Illustrated, too. Like It was like a whole like section about that game. It sounds like you're a big uh, Nike guy. So how disappointed were you when you went to Michigan and they switched to Adidas right when you were playing? You know what? You know, Nike and Jordans are you know cool, but Adidas was all my, was always my shoe of choice. I played with a Nike a Nike AAU team, but when it came to like playing like playing and getting up the court, never mm-hmm. having a foot injury, Adidas Pro Models those were yep. my favorite shoe. Those were my favorite shoe of all time. Like if I made the league. I would have my own line of Adidas Pro Models. <laughs> <laughs> I love those shoes. There's, they were very, very basic, but man, it was the most comfortable shoe ever. Hey, Ant, we've also kicked around. You're talking about some big time swag and shoes, and you know the gear. Uh, and we've kicked around here on Three Point Podcast. Uh, what what does college sports need to do? Is is it time to have some kind of pay? Should the athletes be able to get paid for their autographs or signed jerseys? Well, what's your thought on on college no. athletes? No. <laughs> okay, lay it out. Not. No, man. Do you? <laughs> no. So tell us how you really feel, Ant. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So people are, you know, they get mad at me when I start talking about this. Even <laughs> my former teammates, when I bring it up, I'm just like, look, when we got paid, or you know, we like we already get paid like fifteen hundred dollars a month. Like we already get a stipend, we already get paid, and we get paid for stuff that we already have. Like we already get free food all the time. We always get free gear. And that's all we wear. Like all we wear is our Michigan gear. You know. When it comes to paying for your likeness and all that stuff, you 
messing around with fire when it comes to that. If it ever comes to that, put it in a trust or something for that person. They can touch it as soon as they leave school, if that's the case. Like, okay, when this person reaches age this or they leave the institution and go somewhere else, professional somewhere, they have not, they now have access to this money. You do not want to open up that can of worms. Dude, I saw people get a Pell Grant because they can qualify for it. I couldn't because my parents made too much. But some of these people who filed under, um, like, one parent or they filed under themselves as their own dependent, they used to get a Pell Grant of, like, five grand per semester. You always knew when the Pell Grant money came, came in because someone got a new chain. <laughs> and they got new for their car. They got the new the new gear that just came out. Just some crazy stuff. I mean, you don't want to open that can, dude. You do not want to do that. Especially nowadays, you want to get okay, okay. And then <laughs> you're gonna have agents. If you can get paid now, can can you get fired and fined? Who's to say? Like, are all salaries gonna be the same? Like, if it's between UNC and Michigan, and UNC like. We'll offer you twenty four grand a year. Basically, okay, we'll offer you twenty two grand a year, but we get a little bit of perks. Who's managing these things? Do they get a cut? You're you're open. I mean, eh, no, don't even do it because it's going to be messy, messy. You're talking about like college life and something I'm always curious about as a Michigan fan. It seems like football's kind of king on that campus. What's it like as somebody that was a basketball player? Like if if, a, if the football players come into a party and the basketball players <laughs> come into a party, who who's like the alpha alpha males there? Basketball. Oh, okay. Basketball, hundred percent. Football dudes are like five nine. Hey, they're like five nine, five ten. I'm six six. <laughs> Who I'm with is six eleven. Who stands out? Yep. Those are my parts. <laughs> That's true. I didn't. I never thought about that. <laughs> and who's always padded up with a big helmet on their head the whole time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our eighth man. Uh, I even touch it. Ninth or tenth man. <laughs> On the basketball team, there's probably more. You probably recognize him between a couple starters on the football team. Was there any animosity between like the football and basketball team? Or are you guys good friends? All depends. Okay, I've got stories. <laughs> I've got stories. My favorite thing that you ever tweeted was uh, you had like a whole thread about how '80s basketball was trash. You know, you got pictures of Larry Bird with his high shorts and Bob Cousy <laughs> and just guys like that. I agree with you 100%. So I guess my question for you is, if you played in the 1980s, how good do you think you are? Are you the best player in the league? I'd be top 10 all time. <laughs> I agree. I love it. I'd be top 10 all time. Not even joking. Not even joking. Do you see these dudes? <laughs> you will wa- no, like, watch a full game, not the, not the highlights. They have full games on YouTube. Watch a full game. <laughs> like you've been bamboozled. <laughs> you don't think that Danny Angel put the clamps on you? Danny Angel. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's an accountant. <laughs> an accountant can't guard me. <laughs> are you kidding me? Ted, what are your thoughts as somebody uh, who's, uh, that's his heyday? I know. I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I can't speak. I'm telling you. R.I.P. <laughs> well, kind, kind of along those lines, I got to ask you, Ann, you're, you're a basketball guy. You, you know a ton about basketball, obviously, and you played at a higher level than any of the three of us, but... So a, a debate that we've had on this podcast, it kind of brings out the generational stuff all, along the lines of what Jared just said. I'm a Kobe guy. Kobe's my most favorite basketball player of all time. That was the era I kind of grew up with, 90s, early, early 2000s. Jared, he's the younger guy. Harden is his guy. He, he claims 
that James Harden, when his career is done, will be a better basketball player. His career will be looked at better than Kobe Bryant's. You, you, what do you think? Is Kobe Bryant better than James Harden? James Harden better than Kobe? Where do you stand? <laughs> Dude, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Know this. All right. Kobe Bryant is the best bounce player of all time. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Period. He is the best basketball player of all time. Not saying he's the most dominant. Didn't say that. His footwork and his skill level is unreal. Is unreal. Unbelievably unreal. It is it's better than Mike. Only thing Mike had over Kobe was the size of his hand. The way that Kobe plays, that if you were to ever teach your kid how to play the game of basketball, you would teach them how to play like Kobe Bryant. 100 million percent. And some parts of Steph Curry. Some parts of Steph Curry. Steph Curry, the way that he shoots it is definitely in the 99.99999 percentile. His shot selection isn't the best, but the way that his fundamentals are, are unreal as well, too. And I'll also put KD in that category as well. Mm-hmm. I grew up with KD. It's weird for me to say. Super weird. So, so weird. It's weird <laughs> seeing his gear on random people. <laughs> in farm country. It's weird to me. But KD as well, too. When it comes to fundamentals, nobody does better than Kobe, KD, and Steph. Nobody. Nobody. If you, wanna, if you want your kid to play like LeBron, I will pray for you and your child. <laughs> well, we know where you stand, and uh, Matt now has an ally for sure. Right. Hey, Ant, uh, you know, uh, we really appreciate you taking time out. We're going to be uh, definitely promoting your Twitter site and your new podcast you got going on. You can't guard me. I know you're having a lot of fun with that. We've had a lot of fun chatting with you here tonight, and maybe we can catch up with you down the road if you can spend the time. I know you got to get to Game of Thrones. Hey, anytime, man. All right. Thanks, Ant. So he was running low on time. I didn't quite have a chance to get my two cents in on James Harden and Kobe. For those who have listened to us since the start, this is a debate we've had time and time Time again. Time and time again. The way I look at it, James Harden doesn't run the most dominant player of his generation in Shaq off his team like Kobe Bryant did. I think James Harden wins more than three titles with Shaq, which is what Kobe did. And I agreed with everything he said, you know, the footwork, you know, Kobe. His, that's the thing. People fall into, like, the lore of Kobe, you know, him working on his footwork for four hours and showing up at the gym at 2.30 a.m. That's what they fall in love with. Not as much. They don't like the stuff where he's a bad teammate, where he took a million shots, where he quit on his team in the playoffs multiple times. Matt, your thoughts? Oh, I mean, I think if you really break that down, I, Michael Jordan probably quit on his team. I mean, he literally did. He retired and went and played <laughs> baseball. I'm sure James Harden has moments like that, too. So, Well, yeah, let's just leave it there. Some good thoughts by Ant. We'll talk a little bit of NBA coming up here in a couple of moments, and we're also going to have Tedertainment Tonight coming up to you here. But uh, before we get to that, I want to tell you about the great folks at Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top-of-the-line field technicians for installation, troubleshooting service, and repair of elevators, an area business leader, and longtime supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator salutes Ben Jacobs, who ran the 1,600 meters in 4 minutes 17 seconds and Hannah Hollister who just won both hurdle races at the Corona Invitational this week and I I know you know Jacobs there Jared good young athlete you know his brother real well and man they just run 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 I don't know how they do it I don't know. Just running in a circle, you gotta have, you gotta have a strong mental capacity to do four that. Four minutes and seventeen seconds in the sixteen hundred, man. That's almost a full out sprint the whole way, four times around the track. What do you think your mile time would be if you 
Well, my mile time. Well, I used to run the. I used to run the what they called the 880, which is 800 meters. <laughs> Did you run on a sand track? The fastest I ran that was 208, which isn't bad. But then you add on two more laps. I don't know. I probably, I probably could, uh, in my youth, 450 back in those days. Maybe if you didn't have. Uh... You didn't have smoker's lungs back then with all the, all the weed you were nailed. You probably could have cut that under two minutes. No, that was before those days for sure. Also, I want to tell you about the Krona Connection. KronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. The spring sports season's rolling at Krona High. So keep up with the Cavs at KronaConnection.com. All right, guys, while well, we talked a little bit about it with the Kobe and Harden debate, and uh, I know I don't know if you guys watched Friday night, four overtimes, and then overtime, a Golden State in Houston. I mean, we are seeing some fantastic basketball right now in the playoffs. The thing that always drives me crazy, and we just saw it, Steph Curry played one of the worst games we've seen from a star in a really long time, is it's just kind of chalked up to a bad game when he does it. But then when LeBron does it, you know, we don't forget about it. Like with LeBron's, like, what was it? I think 17 points or 11 points in the NBA Finals back in 2011. It, we're, it's brought up again and again by, I love Skip Bayless, but he does it, you know, every other week it seems like. But, yeah, when Steph Curry does it, it's an injury, it's this, it's that. I just I don't understand how we have that two different mindsets for those two guys who we people want to put them in the same category. It doesn't make sense to me. I definitely think about that, too. I mean, LeBron's under a much different microscope, I guess, than, you know, Steph Curry. But maybe it's because, you know, Ant kind of talked about it in our interview that, you know, Steph Curry is looked at as, you know, maybe one of the best players, definitely probably the best shooter of all time, one of the best point guards of all time. LeBron's up there. People make the argument for him to be the best player of all time. So maybe it's because, you know, maybe the bar he set was pretty high or the expectations. So, yeah, when he had bad games, it was – a little easier to criticize, and I think it is just one of those like I mean, you you can't you voice your displeasure, your uh, disdain, I guess, for Steph Curry. I think it's the same for LeBron. A lot of people just really don't like LeBron, mm-hmm. so when he has a bad game, you know, it they love it and they eat it up. So. Yeah, and I think some of the critics, and you know, you got to look at the stats. I mean, I don't have them all in front of me. I, I will say LeBron, absolutely one of the top players of all time. But the knock that was always one of the two knocks he had, I think, and maybe it could be proven wrong, uh, down the stretch in a lot of big games, he would pass the ball instead of taking the shot himself. And then also, when he did get the opportunity late in a game and go to the free throw line, he's, he missed some big free throws. The thing that I just love, and I think it proves that LeBron is the best player of all time point, is he's not even in the playoffs, and here we are. We can't. <laughs> he just, he's leading the conversation. Yeah. There he is. So, I mean, obviously, when this drops on Monday – uh, the Rockets and Warriors are going to be playing tonight. Series is 2-1. to one. Do we see, is there a world where, and I pray to God that there is a world, where the Warriors can maybe lose the series? I don't know. And I, I was going to ask you guys, kind of along the lines you were talking about, Jared, you know, LeBron's game's getting brought up a lot. It, it always makes me laugh, too. Like, the, the Warriors were up 2-0, and the conversation was, can the Rockets even win a game? Are the Warriors going to sweep this? The Rockets win game three, and I saw like a bunch of headlines, are the Warriors in trouble because Steph Curry had a bad game? Do the Warriors need help, or do they lack depth? And just like, it's just so crazy how the narrative changes, like, I mean, completely from one game to the next. When I'm sitting here saying, I mean, the Rockets won the first game in Houston, and it's still 2-1 to one Golden State. So to answer your question, I really think like Curry's going to have a bounce-back game. I don't think he has... He's not going to play like that again, in my opinion. I don't think he is, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors still win in five. 
Yeah, I see. I I I think the Warriors are going to win at five or six, but uh, we'll see. I, you guys know I love James Harden. I love him. I love him. When I see Chris Paul, and if anyone else watching the game, he decides to take the last shot in regulation. Uh, what the hell was that? I don't know. I, I used to Especially love Chris against, Paul against Clay Thompson, who was like two feet taller than him. Right. I, I loved it. And it's just a, I can't stand Chris Paul. And it's of course as soon as he and and that that's it hates me to say I I bought two pairs of Chris Paul's shoes growing up. I used to wear shoes. I just love Chris Paul. <laughs> Something has changed along the way where he just became a complainer because it was he tried complaining after. The jump ball call. All right, uh, with Clay Thompson, then he was fouled, and it's just he's not. He something has changed in his. He's changed. Like Matt, you hate him. Like it's just what happened to him. Yeah, I don't know. He just seems like yeah, he's a complainer, and it's crazy because I don't know what the exact title is, but he's like the head of the players' union or something. So I know that doesn't necessarily mean everything, but you'd think he would want to be like representing the players in a better way, and he does seem like. He's uh, one of the biggest complainers uh, in the league, but you know that that's still it's still gonna be a great series. I mean, either way, and and like you said, I, the rest of the playoffs are great. Kawhi Leonard's playing great, and you know that that Raptors Sixer series is fun. So this is this is when it's good, right? Oh my God! Well, Friday night I was just uh, just in complete enjoyment watching Portland Denver. You know, I know during the regular season you do see some of the teams out west but I, I don't really start tuning in until the playoffs but to watch Portland and Denver go at it for four overtimes on Friday night and Jared you'll you'll get a kick out of this yeah we know where this is going you know where this is going Friday night it was getting pretty late man it was getting to be bedtime now tell me if this is okay to do okay so I wanted to go to bed all right and the game was early in the second half I just DVR'd it woke up in the morning <laughs> made some coffee didn't look at my phone, sat down on the couch and DVR and watched the DVR and watched the end of the game and the four overtimes. Now, is there anything wrong no, with that? No, I don't. Th- there's nothing wrong with the way you did it there. And okay. It's, and, and coming from me, because listen to, listen to the predicament I've been dealing with since I've been home this okay. weekend. So, my brother, Josh, he tells me that, you know, he doesn't care about sports that much. He, he said he, he watches the NBA Finals, uh-huh. he watches the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl, he watches. The NCAA tournament, you know, all the big things. Big what things. do you think the casual sports fan, and because we're sitting here battling over the remote, I want to watch the NBA playoffs. I want to watch, you know, right. on Christmas Day. We talked about how I was battling there, what, trying to watch the actual, like, no, NBA and Josh, games. he probably wanted to watch HGTV, right? Well, it was actually funny. We said it, the Ted Bundy <laughs> film is what he wanted to watch. He watched <laughs> some weird stuff. But what is, like, what do you think the general public, is that kind of what the general public is? The majority of sports fans is just those events? Hmm. I don't think so. I think I think in the younger generation, like you guys, I think I think they're more into the sports and watching all of it. Other than maybe baseball, that's obviously off the table for a lot of young people. I think when you get to be my age, you do kind of start just watching the bigger events in sports because there's other things that you're interested in. You know, you might be tied into doing stuff with your wife, and it's just not like when you're younger. When I was younger, man, I lived for watching any sporting event I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would have to think that you know it depends on the sport. You know, some people just are you know love basketball, so they watch it all. Some people love football, so they watch every football game or whatever. But I do think you have to think you know the internet, you know, social media, whatever has really changed things because big time. I mean, do you really, unless you really want to watch the NBA playoffs, you don't really have to like sit down and watch a whole game. No. You know, watch a little bit, go do whatever you want, and check the score later. You know, whatever, check the highlights on. Twitter or whatever site you're watching. So, I, yeah, for people that like sit down and watch all the games, if you know start to finish, I, I wouldn't think that there's a ton. I knew, I figured you were going with the DVR route, Ted, because <laughs> I was gonna, the first thing I was going to ask is, there's no way you stayed up and watched that whole four overtime game. 
It's pretty tough. I mean, I I, I got to admit when it when it gets to be the midnight hour, man, my my eyes are starting to close, you know. And I yeah. if I didn't DVR it, I would have missed it and then just have to tune into ESPN Sports Center to check it out. But I'd rather I'd rather enjoy the excitement of it. And you know, you're nice and fresh after a good night's sleep. I think it's a good way to go. I thought you were also going to say that uh, you woke up and <laughs> went down the road down uh, to M21 to BJ's for breakfast, <laughs> and you told everyone to turn off the TVs and BJ's because you didn't want to watch the highlights. Uh. Refer back to episode 69 if you want the inside track on that. <laughs> the only good, good call. And just we're talking about that, you know, watching sports. And I feel like the only really thing I watch whenever it's on 100% of the time is college football. And okay. I don't know if that's the same for everybody. I feel like it's the NFL for a lot of people that kind of anytime there's a game on, you're going to watch it. Anytime I watch Maction, I watch from every Saturday from noon. And maybe it's because it's all basically on the same day. That, that allows me to that do helps. that. helps. Where I'm, I'm watching at least three to four games that day, basically yeah. until the Pac-12 game that night. I'm more of i I'm selective. I'll watch Michigan and Michigan State, the full games. Uh, some of the big national games I'll watch. You know, when Alabama's playing LSU, I'm definitely watching that. Some of the big SEC matchups. But I won't watch every game. I won't watch Maction. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If it's on on a Thursday night and there's not much else on, I might tune in. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much Michigan, Michigan State, and some of the big, big games. How about you, Matt? I mean, you got to be uh, producing them on television. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> just because of work, I do end up watching a, a lot, you know, almost every game, at least, like, tuning in, you know, and checking right. in on a lot of games. But I think if, you know, if I was at home or if I wasn't at work, I'd kind of be the same way. I would max in. I would turn it on, watch a little bit. Like, start to finish, I don't think I would watch a matching game or, you know, a random Pac-12 Mountain West game from no start way. to finish. Now, when I was Jared's age in college or, you know, whatever, a little younger, I'm not trying to make it like that, like I've grown up or something. But, you know, I definitely would, you know, because you know, what else do you have to do? I'm yeah, not going to, like, study or read or write papers. I'm going to sit down and watch football. Yeah, Matt, Matt watches more sports than anyone because of his job. And there are some times where I see you post, like, a snap story, and it's, like, the fifth inning of Arkansas <laughs> versus LSU, like, college baseball. And I'm like, dear uh, God, I, I don't feel ba- I feel bad for him a little bit. It, I mean, it's cool because, I mean, yeah, would I be watching some of this college baseball, college softball if I wasn't working here? No, I'm not going to, like, kid around and act like I'm some junkie college softball fan. But – I, you know, it's one of those things where, to keep it in perspective, I'm getting paid to watch sports, so yeah. it's not a bad deal. Now, up in Bristol, when, you know, mostly down here, it, we mostly cover SEC sports down here and, and other college sports, too, but in Bristol, where it was obviously all sports, like literally professional college, everything, all sports, now that was a different environment because people were literally watching everything, cricket, UFC, you know, literally watching every sport. That was that was pretty wild. I go so I go back so far with ESPN. I remember the big draw was Australian rules football. You know what I mean? Do you, you've heard, probably heard stories about that. Yeah, and probably. I mean, do you remember the like they would? I forget I, the exact name of the event, but like sailing. Right. Like oh yeah. Championships of sailing. America's Cup. Yeah, yeah, yep. So that was one of the big early events too. Yep. You're For right. those who, who who are just listening, Ted just gave a big thumbs up when you. Um, that's the touchdown call in Australia. <laughs> oh, that's, what, that's what that I thought you were celebrating because you were worried that you were about to say something that <laughs> no. that it, it aged you a little bit. <laughs> that, Matt, that definitely Matt aged me. <laughs> uh, anything else on NBA boys? Just we're going to be gearing up to watch some good games, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's yeah, going to be is... awesome. Well, we'll have some entertainment coming up tonight. We'll have some things to get into in that for sure. Before we get to that little segment and wrap up the show, I want to tell you about Card Service Michiana. They offer the best credit card setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants get this guaranteed 
to save you money. No contract, no monthly minimums, no hassle, or early termination fees. Call 574-238-1397 or contact us here at Three Point Pod for further details. All right, guys, time again for Tedertainment tonight. I don't have a whole heck of a lot here to put on the table, but uh, just last night, as a matter of fact, I watched the uh, the brand-new Ted Bundy story on Netflix, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. I don't know if you both have had a chance to watch it yet. If you have, uh, let me know what you think. What I didn't get I- about that show is it basically was just a reshooting of the like actual courtroom and like the actual documentary. There wasn't, And they kind of tried to frame it like he was innocent the whole time. I don't. Know. I love Zac Efron. I loved his performance in it, but it just—I don't know. It was entertaining, but I. It... First of all, my review. I thought Zac Efron just did a great job mm-hmm. portraying Ted Bundy. But the whole—the whole point of this movie, and again, it's a Netflix movie. You know, it's not one that's yeah. going right to the big screen that, that deserves a lot of critical, uh, you know, picking it picking it apart. But this is from a, a book that was written by his longtime girlfriend. So this was from her perspective mm-hmm. on Ted Bundy and what went on. I would say the acting was pretty good. I'd say the script was left a little bit to be desired. But uh, like I said, Zach Efron, solid performance as Terrible Ted. Did you see it, Matt? Oh, yeah. E- Efron was great. I was curious, you know, because he's mostly been like he was in Neighbors and Baywatch, you know, kind of uh, not very serious roles or whatever. So I was curious to see how he did. I thought he was great. And I did, I was kind of the same way. I was kind of like, I didn't know what, I don't know, I guess maybe like what the point of the movie was. Because, right, they were trying to make it look like he was defending himself the whole time. I know that that's kind of, that's how it was. But then we did look it up and, like you said, Ted, we saw that it was based on the book written by his ex-girlfriend, you know, through her eyes. So that kind of make made it make a little more sense. My biggest thing, I, I really want to watch, I don't know if that the Ted Bundy tapes that's on Netflix, if that uh, if that would answer some more questions or not, but... I, was, I kept saying throughout the movie, you know, he has all these victims, what they said, like over 30 that they actually know about or whatever. Was there never, did he never leave any, like, DNA, hair, blood, anything? Because it seemed like the whole time, almost like the OJ case, like the whole time, they could never 100% pin anything on him. Obviously, the circumstantial evidence was, like, ridiculous. I mean, they, they knew it was him. Well, part of part of the problem was it took place mostly in the '70s, and they didn't have a lot of DNA mm-hmm. uh, developed at that point. And uh, I, I think on a previous entertainment tonight, <laughs> we talked about the Ted Bundy tapes. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I can wholeheartedly tell you that is the definitive Ted Bundy doc you want to watch. I mean, it's okay. tremendous. You know what was another like kind of mind blower that kind of cracked me up? Six Sense Kid. He's fat as heck now. <laughs> yeah. Haley Joel. Oh, what an actor. Yeah. <laughs> and he scored the girl. Yeah. When when he popped up, I didn't really recognize him. My wife was like, hey, that's a kid from Six Sense. He sees dead people. <laughs> and I was like, he's a terrible actor. Like, yeah. I don't know what you guys saw. Maybe his role. Maybe he was doing good for, you know, that dude that he played in the movie. But I was like, man, he's not a very good actor. I kind of thought the same thing. Yeah, no. They, I, they just threw him in there. It was a name. I think it was more just like the script. I don't know if it was necessarily like the movie. I don't know. Other than Zac Efron, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, jaw-dropping performance. I did want to throw this. Sheldon Cooper was in there. That, that was another that one again of those. Was it was weird. It's <laughs> hard watching. Took uh, you out of the movie seeing him in that. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely t- typecast because, man, it's like you're watching Sheldon Cooper yeah. in court. <laughs> It was, but I'd still watch it. I'd recommend it to anybody out there that has Netflix. It's definitely a worthwhile watch. And I was, I wanted to ask, I thought this would come up on TV Teddy this week. You, I mean, you were the only one of the three of us alive during that time. 
in Michigan, obviously, yep. not necessarily where all this was going on. Was it really like that big of a deal? You know, with the first what they say, the first uh, trial that was televised, and you know, all the women going gaga over him. Yeah, really, how it was? It really was. I mean, I mean, obviously, here in Michigan, we didn't get the full force of it that that some other areas of the country where it was leading the news every night. But I remember it was on the national news, and I remember, uh, you know, they had. Like 2020 did a story on it back then, you know, with Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters. I mean, that's how far back you got to go. But, yeah, I mean, he was really, he's one of the first real publicized serial killers. I know there was a few others before that. I remember when I was a kid, there was a there was a serial killer out of Chicago. His name was Richard Speck. Have you ever guys ever heard of him? Oh. Google it sometime. Richard Speck, when I was a kid of like 10 or 12 years old, he uh, snuck into a house with a bunch of nurses in the Chicago area and just brutally murdered him. And this guy was just a, it's hard to describe how ugly he was. <laughs> and it just freaked me out as a kid, you know, knowing there's people out there sneaking into people's houses and killing them. As a, as a kid, did you get any shit for having the same name as Ted Bundy? Ted, I, I feel like if I was a bully, I would have badgered the hell out of you. No, no. I was actually not quite a kid when Ted Bundy came out. It was in, in my high school days, so it wasn't that bad. I don't get, I really, Matt, I think you were kind of hinted at this. I don't get why girls were so basically uh, infatuated with him. It wasn't, like, I think we've talked about before, he had, he had a unibrow it's like he was not zach efron no he was not zach efron for sure he was a good looking serial killer we're talking about it after because she was saying the same thing like she was like i can't believe the women just like were yeah going gaga over him and i I was like i think probably it was because he was i mean he in the movie like even said like he could sign posters and sell them or you know whatever he was saying about like his celebrity status maybe that was that kind of what it was you know almost like the beatles like he's on tv and He's smooth talker and good-looking guy, so people weren't believing that he was this like crazy serial murderer. That's part of it, yeah. I mean, you, you, you nailed it. He's a decent-looking guy, but he also is a smooth talker, obviously. So, right. I mean, there's always hope for all of us that can talk smoothly, Jared. <laughs> all right, guys, also in entertainment, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, on Jeopardy, James Holzhauser, now over $1.6 bucks. That's They're taking a two-week break now. And uh, he'll be back after two weeks to see if he can break the all-time no, well, record. You just you just spelled it out. Why are they taking a two-week break, for those who might not know? Well, they've already had it pre-scheduled that they're having a two-week section of uh, Jeopardy and teachers. So oh, the teachers God. will be doing battle. Maybe uh, Johnny can enter. Your brother. Talk, they're just they're losing steam. That's just the worst. Now, yeah, something you're, you guys you're did, right. You're exactly right Something on you that. guys did not tell me. James, although he's very good, he's nothing compared to this Ken Jennings character. Not yet. Who is like 53 more wins than him. 53 more days in a row, he's yeah. not even close to him. But if you do the research and see how much money Ken Jennings won in the same time period as James Holzhauer, it's not even close. <laughs> <James Holzhauer. laughs> Call him Jeopardy James. Jeopardy James. Jeopardy James. All right. Jeopardy James. But, I like Jeopardy James, but I have to ask, what do you guys think? I mean, this is like the, I don't know, to, speaking in sports terms, a two-week break, is this going to like ruin his momentum? It might. I mean, that's a he's bad gonna go move. go home and like... You know, forget some stuff or something like I, that's kind of crazy. I don't know. It's, there, you you hate to have that happen to you. I just pick, like to picture there's like some Drago type you know character who's going to come up to take Rocky. There's some like training montage going on with some guy who's going to come up and try to beat James in a couple weeks. Like he's at the library, like yeah, well, encyclopedias. Well, keep in mind, and I tweeted it. I know you laughed at it, Jared, but he he won one contest by eighteen bucks. He faced a stud mm-hmm. that just about got him, but he pulled it out. So what do you, I know 
we don't necessarily know everything about this situation, but like what we do know, I've seen some people say, you know, because you, you explained it before, Ted, that he's kind of winning with, he obviously knows a ton of stuff. He's not an idiot. But he's, he's using like a strategy as far as like how he's picking the categories. Yeah. I think that's kind of Bush League. Or you think that he's just playing the game? No, he's just playing the game. I don't think it's Bush League, and I think they've kind of turned the tables on him a little bit. If you're a Jeopardy fan, here I am, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jeopardy knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if, if you follow Jeopardy, you know, they have these things called daily doubles where you can double your money whatever <laughs> you bet. <laughs> That's right. Well, he, since his strategy is he picks the highest dollar value across the board. You know, he doesn't go lowest to the highest. He goes highest and then across the bottom of the board. Well, they've just started slipping in the double jeopardy down there, knowing he's going to go that route. And I've seen now, out of the last five episodes, when he's had zero dollars, he's hit a double jeopardy. And and the maximum you can bet, you have no money, so they let you bet $1,000. Where early on, when he was going on his roll, he would get like $30,000, get double jeopardy, and he'd always push all the money in, double his money, and he'd just be unbeatable. That'd so be you're saying impressive. they're rigging it. They're rigging Slumdog it a little bit. Millionaire they're, they're, they're making it a little tougher on him. That's all I think about when I'm watching this. Have you guys seen the movie Slumdog Millionaire? Where it's of like, course. He, that's all I can think about when I'm watching that. That was and Millionaire, right? That was about Millionaire? Who wants Slumdog, yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah, the where he had you know some crazy life story that helped him know every answer. That's what I think about this. But then he just it's crazy to me how fast they go. And this is the first time I've really watched it since right. we got on the podcast. My parents have actually become like it's become appointment television for us in too. our house. Absolutely. It's crazy how fast they go from question to question. Tell me you it can't isn't, keep up. Tell me it isn't fun though when they get the question, you try to answer it. You know, if you're sitting there with your mom and dad, you guys are bur- bur- blurting out answers, right? Oh, I'm the best at it. Are you? Okay. Oh, of course. You're the college kid. <laughs> I know a lot of that stuff. There's the video game segment a couple days ago. I was nailing them. That's awesome. That's why it's that's why it might be the best game show out there. I don't know. It's well, I wanna yeah, I wanna ask. So you guys said or Jared, you said about appointment it's becoming appointment television and then you brought up Slum Dog Millionaire. I I'm, I'm trying to remember the year, but you were probably really young, Jared. Ted, I'm I'm sure you remember when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came out. For sure. First summer with Regis Philbin. That I remember that literally was appointment television. Like that, I forget if it was like Sunday nights. Like that was a huge deal. Almost maybe what uh, Jeopardy James is turning Jeopardy into right now. Oh, there's no doubt that was a that was a national phenomenon, and you called it perfectly because they started out. I think it was Sunday nights, and it was just once a week. It became so big. I think they were putting it on every night of the week. Yeah. They at least I had a two or three week season. stretch. Like I, I remember doing whatever we were doing because it was during the summer, so you know people were off school or whatever. Go do whatever you did on a Sunday, and people, we made sure you had to be home at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever to watch Regis Philbin and Millionaire. That's, that was cool. That's my wife's daily routine, talk about uh, appointment television. She does some work around the house, and by lunchtime, she makes herself a sandwich, eats some cottage cheese, and watch Daytime Millionaire. So, so it's still on. Is it new episodes? Oh yeah, yeah. They have they have daytime host. I can't remember who's hosting it right now. Meredith Vieira hosted it for a while. It's okay. uh, Chris Hardwig, I think, maybe is the host. Do you, Jared? Do you remember that, or were you too young? With Regis, yeah, way too young. I, I know, so. I know Regis from you know Regis and Kelly, which right. is a great show. Yeah. My mom used to watch. I used to watch it with my mom. Yeah. Um, I think you might be getting to this, but Avengers Endgame, it's coming for Avatar. It uh, is. Second on the second on the box office right now, just past Titanic. Oh yeah, you're right. The second weekend pulled in almost 150 mil, and uh, yeah, they just passed Titanic. I can't believe Avatar though is number one of all time. <laughs> well, you that, have to think like this is 
like cumulative, right? So, right. I mean, End, Endgame has only been out for two weekends. Exactly. Basically, right there, Avatar. I mean, that's like all, their all-time earnings or whatever. So, you would have to think that you know Endgame would surpass Avatar. But you know, I I was always Avatar was cool. I didn't. I was never like blown away by it. But at the time, I feel like it was like a pretty groundbreaking you know film as far as Special like technology, effect, yeah. the 3D, and you know everything like that. But you know, so maybe that came into play. I got to ask you this, Jared. Uh, I did watch Avengers Endgame. I wasn't tuned into all of the uh, superhero films leading up to it, but I see on Netflix the previous Avengers. What was that called? Uh, uh, Infinity War. Is there anything I need to know before I tune into that? Now that I've watched this last one, no. It, I mean, ideally, you would have watched that one before I know, you watched this I know. one, but no, yeah. it, that one's. I probably like that one. I don't know. They're both very good. I, uh, I, something I just kind of want to ask you guys is takes. So I don't know if you guys have seen the trailers for them. Uh, well, Detective Pikachu is actually out right now. Uh, just I can't these, wait. these movies that are about video games, and there's also a trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Matt, those are both kind of your generation. What are your thoughts on those movies that are coming? I was I was never a Pokemon guy. I'm not taking a shot at people that were um, or are. I was never a Pokemon guy. So the whole Pikachu thing, I, the card game, even the video games, I, I never understood it. Never got it. Just 100% was never my thing. Sonic the Hedgehog, though, I mean, that was, I think I tweeted it out, that that was, like, that was one of the games to play when I was a kid growing up on Sega. So um, Sonic the Hedgehog, I, that, there was, it was a blast playing Sonic, you know, running around, and Sonic and Tails was his, uh, like, sidekick. So the movie, I, I mean, I guess it looks, I think it looks cool. People are hating on the way that Sonic looks. Something about human teeth or something? They literally are going to redo how he looks. The really? director came out and said they're going to re oh. redo it. Wow! And it, so, wait, you said they're going to redo it. Yeah, it's, it's like, they are the whole movie. I they said they got a lot of work to do in the tweet. It's official. They're going to try to re revamp what he looks like huh, because the complaints were so bad. Let me ask you guys a, a flat out question though. You're talking about these video games being turned into movies. Are are you actually at all interested in watching the Detective the movie? Pikachu movie? I'm actually very Detective intrigued. Detective Pikachu. Ryan Reynolds is voicing. Just a spot on uh, casting. Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. Just that's awesome. Wow. And and, and and that movie looks great. Like we talk about the CGI with Sonic looks terrible. This with Detective Pikachu, the ratings are good. The CGI looks really good. And a lot of people are actually saying that that might be what stops Avengers Endgame from beating Avatars because there's a good movie right behind you it. You know, you kind of guilted me to go see Avengers Endgame. I'm glad I did. I probably am not going out to see <laughs> Pikachu. I'm just going to be frankly honest with you there. Hey, before we wrap up this segment, uh, Jared, this probably falls in your book too. Maybe maybe Matt as well. You guys like rom-coms, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is Would you call this one uh, Long Shot with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron? Have you seen that yet? I really want to see it. I have, The reviews on that one are also very good. It does look good to me. And, mm-hmm. and, and let me tell you, Charlize has got to be one of the finest-looking women of all time. I really think so. She's not, she's not in your age group, Jared, but, man, that is one fine-looking woman. She's also kind of – have you seen Mad Max Fury Road, where she's I kind of not. a badass in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. She's good looking in that movie. And she's kind of a badass in real life. I've heard her in a couple different Howard Stern interviews, and she's she's solid. I like her. Also, I don't know if you guys watched Saturday Night Live last night. I've made it to Weekend Update. I've got the rest on my DVR. But Adam Sandler back hosting. Uh, the first 45 minutes were tremendous. And I guess at the end, he does a Chris Farley tribute song that uh, is quite touching. Do you, I was actually, I, I had this written down as well. I was curious, if, do you guys still watch SNL? I do. Do you DVR it? I do. So it's Sunday morning viewing. Pretty much. <laughs> Sunday morning or sometimes Sunday afternoon or evening even. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be. I usually watch it within a day from when it's on. Let's put it that way. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I watch SNL like if if the guest host or the music guest is is good. I did mean to watch uh, last night's because of Adam Sandler, but we were watching the Zac Efron it was, Ed Bundy it, movie. It was very good. I won't give you too bad of a spoiler alert, but they had one sketch where uh, Adam Sandler went back to his family reunion, and they had all the characters were acting like Adam Sandler. Oh my God, it was funnier than hell. That would be good. It is funny. Like I I don't know if you guys saw. He he said that. The reason why I think this was his first time going back since, like, it was whatever he stepped away from the show. He said that he just, I don't know if he was joking, but he said that he didn't think he was quick enough anymore, you know, like as far as a comedian. Like, did he do well? Like, I mean, was his performance good? I thought, well, like I said, I saw 45 minutes. Usually that's when you get the cream of the crop of the best sketches anyway before update. Uh, yeah, I thought it was very good. I thought he, he, very solid. His opening was, uh, he sang a song about getting fired in the, uh, the original days, you know, and Chris Rock came out and joined him. It, it was good. I am, I am curious. There's just I know we're trying to wrap it up, but yep. I mean Adam Sandler. That I feel like that's another our, our generational talks. I mean Adam Sandler, his movies, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, they were huge uh, when I was a mm-hmm. kid and growing up and everything. I I think they're like timeless yeah. comedy movies. But Jared, like, what do you? I feel like by the time you started probably getting into movies, were was when Adam Sandler. I, I like Adam Sandler. I think a lot of his movies are still funny. But when you were starting to watch, was when those movies like Grown Ups and some other ones were coming out. Funny people, or straight to, or straight to, to Netflix. That Adam Sandler was losing his touch. So I guess like, what is as a younger guy? What's your kind of view of Adam Sandler? I mean, I I love Adam Sandler because, like you said, the movies that he's created are timeless. I kind of grew up on those. Honestly, you know parents i feel like they always kind of look for stuff that you know both the kids can enjoy and they can enjoy so we always had those movies on dvd and like vhs or whatever heavy gilmore and billy madison I, I grew up probably shouldn't have been watching them as a four and five year old but I, that's what i watched and so yeah like when when i see him making movies like grown-ups 2 and jack and jill and i do love the movie just go with it i will say that that's like probably the last good movie that i actually liked that I he's made i haven't seen that one yet it's got brooklyn Good decker one. in it it's Ooh. got jennifer aniston Ooh. Yep. Solid. Solid cast. I, I like basically anything he does just because I, I, I like his comedy. Right. Are, are all of his movies as good as Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore? Probably not. But I, I just like him as a, I like the Grown Ups movies. I think they're funny. The Water Boy. How can you beat the Water Boy? Yeah, the Water Boy's great. <laughs> all right, boys. Uh, we've been yakking away here. What do you think? Anything else you need to get on the table before we wrap this out? I'm, I was trying. I was. I'm trying to think of a good line from Happy Gilmore that I want to say, but I, I just. I'm not quick witted enough. I can't think of. You're one. gonna die, clown. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing. To- okay. I was gonna, <laughs> I, all right. That'll do it, guys. If you enjoy this show, share Three Point Podcast with all your family and friends. Subscribe, listen, and share Three Point Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Google Play Music. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Three Point Pod. Thanks again to our Three Point Podcast partners: Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, and Card Service Michiana. Also, be sure to check out our friends at Sports Radio Detroit and Midwest Sports Network for their great program, including Three Point Podcast. And again, special thanks to Anthony Wright, Ant Wright, and you can follow him at It's Ant Wright and his podcast also, You Can't Guard Me. We want to thank him for taking the time to join us and go back in time and talk about Michigan basketball. This has been a three-point podcast production in conjunction with Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast.
still be you and me watching that sun going down i still be stealing your kisses i still be holding your hand i still look at you and i pinch myself good lord i'm a lucky man i got it good girl cause i got myself a Life with 